0: wherever books are sold starting July 1st and my children's book Princess Charming you can learn more about me at ZimbyOwens.com but really you're here to learn more about the authors and that is what we're going to do also be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network you can learn more at ZcastNetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well Monica Heise is the author of Really Good, Actually, a novel. We actually got to do this episode in person. We share a PR guru named Paul Bogarts, who was in the room as we recorded. And Monica is sensational. Her book was so funny. Well, anyway, listen. Monica is an essayist, comedian, and screenwriter from Toronto. Her writing has been published in The New Yorker, The New York Times, Vogue, Elle, The Guardian, Glamour, New York Magazine, and Vice, among others. She has written for television shows like Schitt's Creek, Workin' Moms, and Everything I Know About Love. She lives in London. Welcome, Monica. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss really good, actually. No, thank you so much for having me. Is everybody like making the same joke that it's really good? Almost every headline. I feel so (laughs) bad. I know. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm making the same joke that everyone's going to make, but I can't not make it.
2: Honestly, I've set you up for that. that You did, right? That's on me,
0: ultimately. Thank you for taking responsibility. I
2: appreciate that. (laughs) Okay. Tell listeners about Really Good
0: Actually. Tell me how it became a book, how you thought of the whole thing, how it reflects your own life and all
2: that. So Really Good Actually is a novel about a young woman named Maggie who's 28 years old and is finding herself unexpectedly in the midst of a divorce after her very recent marriage. And it's set during the first year of her life as a single person um, and kind of her first year as a single adult ever. It was inspired by, I went through a divorce at a young age myself, and even kind of in the earliest days of it, when it was still pretty miserable pretty regularly, I sort of could tell there was something funny about it and that I might want to write it. I'm a comedy writer mostly for television, so I'm sort of used to taking things that have happened in my life or friends' lives or just that I've seen around and turning them into comedy. And I thought, even though this is quite miserable experience there's definitely something funny in it so the novel is my attempt to turn something a little bit grim into something funny it was so funny i
0: told paul so paul is here in the background but anyway <laughs> i was like i don't want to finish it's so funny i've like laughed out loud it's like amazing i dog-eared a couple parts <laughs> that i wanted to read well not all these are as funny i guess but <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, well I'll read you a couple hit on
2: a beautiful no I'm kidding truth i'm totally <laughs> I'm
0: totally kidding I'm totally kidding <laughs> when we were married John rarely stayed out late on the few occasions he did I would enjoy my evening until about two then lie awake staring at the ceiling thinking about all the things that could go wrong what if the power went out and I needed to know how to interact with that big box in the basement our back door was rickety and unreliable no matter how carefully I closed the The bolts checked and double-checked that I'd done it. Fear would keep me awake. I'd get up to redo it ten times in the night in case someone was about to break in and kill me. I didn't worry about that anymore. Maybe someone will break in and kill me, I'd think. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And let's see. Oh, this is so funny. All the songs I'm singing about are heartbreak, and the raw emotion of my recent experience informs each number. People are so moved, some of them are weeping. Much of the audience is enthralled strangers, all of whom find me mysterious and alluring. The friends I came with are dumbstruck. No one can believe that I've been hiding this voice, that I've been so humble about it. We thought all her grief would be for nothing, one whispers to another. But look what she's done with it. She's like Nora
2: Ephron, if Nora Ephron had the voice of Adele. (laughs) Yeah, one of Maggie's many deluded fantasies that sort of pepper the book is this idea that people want to watch you doing karaoke. <laughs> a fantasy I think all of us have indulged a couple of times. The part about the the hamburgers when the delivery man is outside,
0: not that it's like a plot giveaway <laughs> her away, but it's just so funny when uh, she's ordering in like paperless posts or whatever it is and the delivery man is accidentally calling her ex every time in the middle of the night.
2: Yeah, a friend of mine found out a couple years ago that for two full years, her ex-boyfriend was getting an email every single time she ordered rotisserie chicken from the <laughs> Canadian rotisserie <laughs> chicken chain. <laughs> and she was like, it's not that embarrassing, but I just felt so exposed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's something that Maggie feels sort of throughout the book is just very
0: exposed. But the way you wrote it is so funny. I mean, those I think you wrote... Those were like emails to customer service. Yeah. Right? I mean, you you could have said that in so many ways, but the mix of forms and the way you handle the material and present it, and some is like Maggie and her friends just hanging out, and others are these funny letters or whatever. So tell me about how you structured the story and all the different characters and the choice of different form elements like that.
2: I think when I sat down to... Write the novel because I knew it was going to be so intensely set inside one character's head. Mm-hmm. And because she was experiencing things that were inspired by my own emotions, but that I wanted to be really fictional events, I thought I really need to get to know this person and the ways where we overlap in the ways where we really diverge. So I wanted to do a lot of character exercises to kind of get to know Maggie. So there are all of these short form pieces kind of scattered throughout the book, Google search history. Yeah, and that was so funny. Per- so funny. Oh personal God. fantasies Loved. and, you know, emails and, mm-hmm. you know, dating app conversations. Yep. And all of those were kind of my first attempts at getting to know this character and mm-hmm. building up her voice and my sense of her worldview, um, even the the list that opens the novel, which is a, a list of reasons that Maggie and her husband, John, broke up. That was almost the first thing I wrote in the book to kind of try and get my head around who this person was, what her relationship meant to her, and the ways that it was going to kind of go very wrong <laughs> for her. So, yeah, the short form pieces were kind of my, something so that I wasn't starting with a blank page. So I felt on solid footing that I understood who this person was. And then I'm a big outline girl. So then I did a big outline of kind of the plot as it would transpire after I had those short form pieces and kind of a character grounding. Wow.
0: So go back to how you got your start, even in TV writing and writing in general. And where, yeah. where are you from? Like, give me some questions here. Where, how did you show up here? <laughs> Who the hell are you? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I am a, a writer. I started in in Toronto, where I'm from. And I've always kind of written and and also always kind of been involved in comedy performance as well. At university, even was like part of the school newspaper and like in an improv troupe and stuff. So those have been passions of mine for a long time. And I wrote a book in 2015 that was based on like a joke advice column I had for a website called She Does the City in Toronto lovely local website. And it was sort of joke advice and kind of personal essays, but also had some of those little short form humor pieces as well, which are sort of, I think where I kind of got my start is writing like odd humor pieces for like independent websites, like the Hairpin, the best website ever, now defunct. And also like the New Yorker, Shouts and Murmurs and stuff. And then off the back of that book, I was promoting that book and I met some amazing women at a comedy show where I was kind of being interviewed and they were doing improv based on the interview answers. And they were just setting up the first season of their sketch show called Baroness Von Sketch Show, which is a great Canadian comedy show that ran for five, maybe six seasons. They asked if I had any samples of like sketch comedy. And I had just come back from doing a summer at the Edinburgh Fringe with some friends. So I did. And that was my first TV job. And then the book also led me to Schitt's Creek, which is my second TV job. Um, just the luckiest person in the world to have those be my first two jobs. Someone had given Dan a copy of my book. And again, they reached out and asked if I had a sample. And I didn't have a half-hour narrative sample, but I said that I did. And I wrote one over the course of like a frantic weekend. Oh, my gosh. And sent it off. Oh. <laughs> just
0: looking for the file. <laughs> just get, I'm going to reformat yeah. <laughs> it. This PDF converter is yeah, going to take having... about 48 hours.
2: <laughs> Computer trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my um, gosh. So I was really, really lucky, and then really fell in love with writing comedy for TV, and I've been doing that for most of my career. Oh my gosh!
0: Wait, go back to starting. Okay, so you send the sample. Yeah, finally, <laughs> they obviously love it. Um, and then, so did you go into a writer's room, or like explain like how long did you work on that, and which epi- or how many episodes, or temp- I don't know.
2: Yeah, I was on uh, seasons three and four of the show as a writer, one small part of a big team, and it it was just. I mean, it was where I learned how to kind of do any of it. And it was such a good introduction because we had an amazing mix of like, we had some really old school pros and then a couple people who are new like me. And then Dan has always just had such a clear vision for what he wanted the show to be. So when you have a sort of strong leader like that, I feel like it's just a pleasure to kind of help figure out how to like enrich their original, but very clear vision or build towards what they're looking for. So there were about eight of us, I think. And I think it's such, it's just such an intuitive and smart way to get, to make comedy, to get a bunch of people together in a room who can kind of support each other's ideas or equally pick kind of holes in them and be like, oh, I'm not sure that this works, but what if it was like this? It was a real pleasure. What do you think it is about comedy? Like, I think if you got eight novelists in a
0: room together, it might not end up. <laughs> like, what...
1: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash moms don't have time.
2: God, that's a really good question. I think part of it must be the immediate response. Like, it's so easy to doubt yourself when you're writing alone as to whether something's funny, but a laugh is, is like, an instinctual reaction that you kind of have no control over. So if you can elicit laughs from a room full of people, then you know you're kind of on the right path. So it feels really like really helpful, kind of live and immediate feedback. Definitely writing the novel was a, a really intense shift to be like, oh, it's just me for now. I mean, obviously, I was so lucky to find my editors. I have two amazing editors, one in the UK and one over here. We all worked on the book together. But before I found them, I had to write the entire thing by myself, which was so unexpectedly confronting because I only really had my own sense of humor to go off of. And I'm used to having like a room full of people that I can be like, is this anything? And they can tell me if it is or isn't, but it was just me.
0: So it's just how hard you were making yourself laugh.
2: Yeah, much. kind of. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: How crazy I
2: looked <laughs> in my in my office laughing by myself.
0: Why even try a novel? Like, your TV career is taking off. Why why go this route?
2: I think because this story is so personal, I did want it to be kind of something that I was at the helm of. And also, it's very interior story. It takes place a lot inside Maggie's head and deals a lot with feelings of criticism and feelings of self-doubt. And I thought it would be easiest, I think, to kind of really get into the depths of how she was feeling by being able to just write it all out rather than find ways to kind of show it. Although now we've optioned it for TV, so I do have to find what those ways are. And also, I think I really wanted to try to challenge myself and do something different. And it was a genuine challenge. It felt really difficult, but it was also really worthwhile. And I feel like I learned a lot while doing it. I bet.
0: And are you going to write another novel?
2: Yeah, I'm working on one right now. Yeah.
0: Was it a, did you already sell it? Not Like, was it a two-book situation? Yeah. Okay. That's always
2: <laughs> nice. What is that about? So far, it's about a group of friends in Toronto, and they're all in their late 30s, and they're – don't hold me to this, because it could all change. And now one <laughs> of them is a TV writer. <laughs> <laughs> no. I want it to be even sort of farther from my life, you know, and, and also to – Again, to try and challenge myself in a different way, tell multiple perspectives Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. people who are much farther from me than Maggie is, you know. So I'm in the outlining stage of that. And I I think the outline is gonna be quite quite a can I swear? (laughs) Go for it. Why not? I was gonna say quite a bit. All right. That's (laughs) now I feel weirdly like shy about it. My
0: have you seen the musical six? I don't know if you have. No, it's such a big deal in London, though. You should go see it. Yeah. It's hard to, like—I don't really like going to musicals, really. Or Anyway, it's so good. But my kids are obsessed with it, and one of the songs is like, bring out the bitches. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> and so they sing that all the time. Because okay. they're like, now we can say the B word because yeah. it's in the song. This is so. history, Mom. We're allowed. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I just had— That's what that makes me think of. So that's a fine one to say. (laughs) I feel like totally sanctioned forever. So which of the character study exercises are you doing for your new characters? Give us some of the tools, all the aspiring writers out there that like, if you're developing a character, it's
2: really helpful to do. Oh, that's such a good question. One thing I've been doing is like, have you seen the L word? on Showtime, they have a big sort of hookup chart of who's hooked up with who and kind of like what everyone's links are. And I've made a couple charts, not related to who's hooking up with who, but just different kinds of relationships and dynamics. So like who's jealous of who or who's (laughs) secretly has a crush on who and kind of like just kind of trying to, it's very messy and it looks like the work of a serial killer, but it's really useful for me to kind of visually plot all that stuff out. I took a a painting class from my friend Laura Daw in the early stages of writing this book that really opened up how I was thinking about writing it. And I'm going to do the same thing, I think, for this new book, which is she showed us how she paints these beautiful still lifes and she sort of blocked in all of the big colors first. And then did shadows and then did highlights. And detail comes so much later. Mm -hmm. So for so many stages of the creative process, it doesn't look like the thing that you're trying to make at all. You have to sort of have the faith that these are important layers. Mm -hmm. And that was really, like, emancipating for me to not have to have a draft that was ready to go, but to be like, I have the shapes in this draft.
0: Mm -hmm. You know,
2: I have the highlights in this kind of outline. I've been trying to think about it that way and not, not put too much pressure to get the detail right until much later
0: yeah, I feel like if I were gonna write a, a writing guide it would be like pretty sentences come last yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's so counterintuitive
2: because you need the sentences to write it to begin with I know it's the same thing with with writing for TV I was really as a young writer like I don't understand why we have to spend all this time outlining and now I'm like oh if your story isn't airtight then the whole thing falls apart and all your funny lines have to go in the bin anyway so I feel like I'm very dedicated to having a strong outline that can hold. <laughs> Interesting.
0: So, when you're not writing for TV or writing novels or talking to your friends about ordering a chicken, <laughs> what what do you do? Like, when you're not at work, like, what are, what's your life like?
2: I have almost no work-life balance, so it's a good question that I should ask myself more. Um, what do I do? I live in London, and I love just like walking around. One of the things I love about it is that. It's, it's really walkable city. All of the neighborhoods are like these little villages where you kind of can, well, not all the neighborhoods, but a lot of the neighborhoods are like these little villages where you can kind of get everything you need within like a 10, 15 minute walk. And there's a nice park. So I'm a big fan of sort of walking to like a little bookstore and then going and sitting. I, I've lived there a long time, but I still just feel like very romantic about the city. So I just like to sort of walk around and listen to music and reading cafes and get a bit main character about it. That's <laughs> perfect. You've just like cast yourself in a role.
0: You're like, I'm going to just live out the life of the novelist in, in London. Thank you very much. Oh my gosh, so funny. Why do you live in London, by the way?
2: I moved there in 2010 to study early modern literature, did an MA there. I figured I think It was, like, never going to be an advanced degree that actually did anything for me professionally. So I just thought I should, like, make a real experience out of it and go to the place that, um, you know, they have such amazing, like, archives and stuff over there. And you're walking around the streets where the stuff you're studying actually happened. So for very nerdy reasons, I moved over there. And then I just really fell in love with the city. I went up to the Edinburgh Fringe, not really knowing much about it. And it's just this incredible enormous creative cultural like explosion and they have really engaged audiences for comedy I just felt like I had really found a place where I could do the things that I wanted to do at the level that I wanted to do them and with the group of friends that really make me laugh it's awesome and pubs are amazing as well fish and chips <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: Wimbledon <laughs> so that was what I did on my honeymoon we went to Wimbledon did you yeah. oh wow yeah. Yeah, chic It's pretty awesome, I have to say. My husband used to teach Did you wear, like, a little hat? I wore a very pretty dress. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I felt very chic. (laughs) It's, like, the last time I dressed up to watch a sporting
2: match. (laughs) One and only. What about movies? Do you have any interest in writing movies? Yeah, I would love to write a movie. I'm a big romantic comedy fan. I love, like, the classics. I feel like I watched When Harry Met Sally. My boyfriend calls When Harry Met Sally the film because I watch it so often. I'm just always in the mood for it. If I'm happy, if I'm sad. It is my favorite movie. Number one. Number Me one. too. I number was, one favorite movie of all time. Number one favorite movie, yeah. It just, like, she just really nailed it.
0: <laughs> yeah, all of it. The friend, I mean, yeah.
2: The friend group, I'm obsessed with this. is My my whole thing is, like, if you can write a good dinner party, mm-hmm. that's the real test of a good writer. Particularly, I think, in movies like the Bridget Jones's Diary dinner party, mm-hmm. where they all kind of – she makes a total crap dinner, and then yeah. all of her friends do a toast, quoting Mark Darcy, and he's yeah. there. Smug married, Perfect.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Any authors you're, like, obsessed with these days? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm always obsessed with Heidi Julewitz. I read The Folded Clock, like, every year, I feel. What am I reading more recently that has come out recently? I'm really excited to read The Survivalists, but I haven't read it yet by Kishana oh, Kali. Yep. I'm really— uh, I have it if you want to. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> I did bring a tote bag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am really obsessed with Sheila Hetty— her narrator, whose name is Sheila, but isn't her, in How Should a Person Be, says, you have to know where the funny is. If you know where the funny is, then you know everything. And I'm always just looking for writers who know where the funny is, mm-hmm. of which she is definitely one, I would say. I just interviewed her about her children's book.
0: Did you? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's not love at all, it is she not Sheila, at all funny. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's very dark. It's about, like, a dead bunny. And, oh, uh, oh, yeah. but it's it's But it's a way to teach kids about loss okay. and whatever. But, you know. Yeah. So, oh, in a wow. way, it's not dark. It's actually light at the end. It's actually, it's great. It's beautiful. And, but it's not, it's not humorous. Let me yeah. just put it that way. Yeah.
2: Fair enough. I mean, I guess there's a time and a place. Yes. <laughs> not when you're teaching kids about love. Yeah. <laughs> not the time to joke necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, number one piece of advice for an inspiring author? Oh, I think probably the thing I said about the shapes, like, don't be afraid to just start mm-hmm. so that you don't have a blank page in front of you. Because I think. It's very intimidating to me still. And I think working in TV and having to get drafts out on kind of tight turnarounds so you don't really have time to criticize yourself, it really is just about making sure you don't have time to criticize yourself. So just getting something out there and then leaving it for a second. Mm. And then when you go back, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. I like
0: that advice. Stay so busy. You don't have time to (laughs) criticize yourself. (laughs) That's awesome. I think I think I've maybe done that with my own life, right? Perhaps. Yeah, that's well. So, last question: because my older daughter, who's Emma, sixteen, is like obsessed with Schitt's Creek.
2: Is there anything you can tell her that she'll be like, "Oh my god, no way"? <laughs> I'm trying to think. I feel like I don't know what's like a little Easter egg. I think this is probably like well known by now, but um, Annie Murphy wrote the a little bit of Alexis song herself and choreographed it herself. Okay, which is pretty amazing. And also just that, that everyone is lovely. You know, I feel like everyone's like, oh my God, was it as fun as it seemed to work on it? And you know, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. More fun than a room full of eight novelists. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, Monica. I'm really excited for your next book and good luck. Thank you Congratulations. so much for having me. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.